It happens every year, and it's amazing to me that it keeps happening. Every year, there's some football game that makes it on to ESPN or the highlight shows, and it entails a player that's running with the ball, heading for the end zone, and there's no one between him and the end zone. He's going to score a touchdown. The team's going to uh, get those points, and uh, before... Before the player crosses the goal line, he starts to feel pretty good about himself. And he decides he wants to celebrate a little bit and kind of rub it into the other team that he's about to score the touchdown, about to go over the goal line. So uh, the player begins to kind of showboat a little bit. You seen this? Kind of slows down maybe a little bit so everybody can see the player showboating. And there's some determined player on the other team that's been chasing him down from behind. And right before he gets to the goal line, he jumps and lunges, knocks the ball out of the guy's hands, and they don't score the touchdown. How many have seen that happen before? And it happens every year. I mean, you think if players see that happen, they would say, that's not going to happen to me. But it happens every year. And the question becomes, why does that keep happening? Not just in football, but in other sports and in other areas of life. What is it that's within us that wants to make a big deal about us. What is that? Why is that there? And why is it harmful? And and how can we redirect that in a way that honors the Lord and builds up other people? So keeping that in mind, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 27. We finished the book of Acts last week, and we're going to do some different things through November and December. Uh, And then in the new year, we're going to talk about some vision uh, things at the very beginning of the new year. And then we're going to jump into a study of the book of Joshua. Very excited about that. Uh, But this morning we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. Proverbs 27, verse 1. I'd like to ask you today, if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word which is truth with no mixture of error. I'm grateful today for the Word of God. Uh, It's a foundation that we can build our lives upon, and we can build the ministry of our church upon, and I'm grateful for that sure foundation. How about you? Proverbs 27, verse 1. The Bible says, Do not boast. Everyone say boast. Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, watch this, and not your own mouth. A stranger, and not your own lips. Let's pray together. Father, we pause in these moments, once again recognizing our need for you. We believe with all of our hearts that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And so in these moments, as we study your Word, we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts by your Spirit, that we would see the truths of Scripture, that we would understand and grasp those truths, and we would have the inclination, Lord, the wherewithal to respond to those truths. Lord, I pray for life transformation. Deliver us today from just going through the motions of church attendance or religiosity or ritual. Lord, I pray that we will know today that we have had an experience, an encounter with the living God. So would you work in our way, in our midst in that way. Lord, grant us the grace to exalt 
the name of Jesus, to exalt the finished work of Christ. And we'll thank you, Lord, for it. We love you, we praise you, we worship you, and we lift up this prayer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Proverbs is an interesting book. It's a collection of wise sayings collected by different people over a period of time, uh, most of them under the leadership of King Solomon, who God granted wisdom to be the wisest man on the planet. And during his reign, Solomon saw to it that the wise sayings, maybe that came from his own lips or his own pen or from the lips or pens of others, he collected those to preserve for posterity. And because of that, we have these collections of wise sayings today called the Proverbs. And they are rich and they are wonderful. Let me encourage you with something here. Uh, It's a good practice. Now, I'm not doing it this year. Uh, I've got a different Bible reading plan. But it's a good practice to read a proverb every day and read the proverb that corresponds with the day of the month. And so today is November 13th. You would read Proverbs 13. Tomorrow you read Proverbs 14. And when you get to the end of the month, you just start over again. Uh, because there, you just can't get enough of the wisdom here that can encourage you and help you in a very practical way in your day-to-day life. But this morning I want to talk to you about boasting. This is a real issue, and I'm thinking about it in terms of thanksgiving. Uh, because we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. And, you know, boasting can really hinder us from seeing the hand of God in our lives. And, and if we don't see the hand of God in our lives, we won't give Him the, the gratitude that He deserves. So I think this is pertinent in, in terms of the time of the year in which we find ourselves. And it's really pertinent for any time of the year. But what I want to do is I want to give you two things that we should not boast in. Two things that we should not boast. And they're right here in our text this morning, and and they're good reminders for us all. First of all, the first thing we should not boast in is we should not boast about tomorrow. We should not boast about tomorrow. Do you notice what the writer of Proverbs here says? Do not boast about tomorrow. Now, we are reminded from that very simple statement that no one is guaranteed another day. If you are looking for a verse in the Bible that guarantees you a span of time upon this earth or even another day upon this earth, you will look in vain. There is no verse like that. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that life is not a sure thing. Tomorrow is not a sure thing. Look what it says there in the second part of verse 1. You do not know. Why should you not boast about tomorrow? For you do not know what a day may bring. And another collection of wise sayings is found in the New Testament book of James, and James elaborates on this idea. So turn there with me to James. I want you to see this. James chapter 4, after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 4, verse 13. Very powerful passage here, one that we would do well to remember and internalize verse 13 of James 4. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, echoing the thoughts of Proverbs 27. What is your life? Good question. 
For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Every time I see that word mist, it makes me think about a cold morning when you walk outside and you breathe out and there's that, there's that, that mist there from you breathing into the cold air. How quickly does that vanish? That's the idea here. Our, our life is like a, a mist that's there for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, instead of, you know, bragging about tomorrow or boasting in tomorrow or counting on tomorrow, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast, now look at this, in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. This is not just character flaw stuff. This is evil, he says there. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So James echoes the thoughts and elaborates on the thoughts of Proverbs 27 when he says, listen, don't boast about tomorrow. Don't say that tomorrow is a sure thing. Understand your life is a mist. It is a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it is gone. Do not boast about tomorrow. You probably know somebody in your life, maybe someone very close to you, that that got very close to retirement or even retired. And, and shortly thereafter, they passed away. You may know someone. I, I know people that have, that have had that experience. They made it to retirement age, and very quickly after retirement, or, or right before retirement age, they passed away. And you look at that and think, oh, that's so, that's so sad. But let me tell you what's sad. What's sad is if someone is putting all of their hope in retirement. And they say, well, when I get to retirement, that's where I'm going to live. Right? Or when I get to this stage in life, or this, that's when I'm going to really experience life. And they're putting living on hold for the future. Listen, when the future is not sure. That's just not wise. Live today for the glory of God. Live today with meaning and purpose. Because we don't have any guarantees about tomorrow, right? So do not boast about Tomorrow. That is an unwise thing to do. To assume tomorrow is to assume knowledge that only God possesses, right? To assume tomorrow is to assume knowledge that only God possesses. So, number one, first thing we should not boast in, we should not boast about tomorrow. But let me give you another thing we should not boast in, and this is found back in Proverbs 27. Do not boast about yourself. Do not boast about yourself. Look what it says there in verse 2. Let another praise you, and it's really clear, not your own lips, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Do not boast about yourself. We understand that it's a constant temptation to want to bring attention to our And this can be overt, where we're just out there just, you know, calling attention to ourselves, telling people some things about ourselves, trying to get a certain level of appreciation or acclaim or or preeminence in someone's life. I mean, we can be overt in our boasting, overt in our bragging, but we also can be covert in our bragging. You ever heard the phrase humble brag? 
know what a humble brag is? Here's the definition of a humble brag. A humble brag is a modest or self-deprecating statement whose actual purpose is to draw attention to something of which one is proud. So you're acting humble, but really you want everybody to know this thing you're being humble about. And that's another way, a covert way, that we can find ourselves boasting. I, I have a, a Twitter account. Uh, I don't post on it. It's, a, it's a kind of a secret account. But uh, I follow people on it. I follow news and things like that. And I follow some different folks that I'm aware of, you know, some famous folks. I just like to kind of check in and see what's going on in, in their lives. And on, on social media, on Twitter, you see humble brag all the time. You see it in pastor circles. Uh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so humbled that so-and-so would invite me to their church to preach. And really what they want to say is, I'm going to so-and-so's church to preach. And you see it all the time. I mean, all the time you see this, this humble brag, this kind of covert bragging about one's own life. And, and that's just, it doesn't honor the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you look there in your notes, when we are prideful about something in our lives, we forget, listen, that God is the source of everything good. So, for example, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to show you where this truth is emphasized. New Testament book, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, as you're finding your place there, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7, remember that one of the major issues of the church in Corinth was pride. They were dividing up behind different leaders in the church. One group would say, hey, we, we're, we, we like Paul. Paul's our guy. We're, we're going to follow Paul. And, and then other people say, hey, we like Peter. We think Peter's the man. You know, Peter was there with the 12 disciples, and uh, you know, he walked on the water, and he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. So we're, we're going to line up behind Peter and his leadership. And then others would say, what about Apollos? I mean, Apollos can preach. That guy can preach the paint off the walls. He can out-preach Paul and Peter. So Apollos is our guy. We're going to follow him. And then some said in Corinth, well, listen, we don't think we need a leader. We, we can just make it on our own and, and just make our, make our own way. And so there are these different groups in the church of Corinth. They were fussing and fighting, and it all came down to pride. Over in chapters 12 and 13 and 14, we see that the members in the church in Corinth were prideful about their spiritual gifts and bragging about how gifted they were. And so look what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Very interesting here. 1 Corinthians 4, verse, let's start in verse uh, 6. I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. So Paul's talking about the divisions here that, that were based upon pride in a certain leader. And then look what he says next. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? What is there that's good in your life that wasn't granted to you as a gift by God? And if everything, listen to this, if everything in your life that's good is a gift from God, look at the next question. If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? If, if you are exemplifying a gift from God, why are you acting like it's all about you? Why are you acting like you should get the praise and you should get the attention when really what's happening in your life is God has granted you some gifts so he can work in and through you to touch others? 
So let me ask you a question. What is there in your life that's good that you did not receive as a gift from God? And the answer is nothing. If there's anything good in your life, it's because God has shown you grace. Anything. You say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I work hard for my money. I earned my job. I went in and put on a great, uh, 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 did a great job in the interview. And I've, I've climbed the, the, the ladder in my company. And I, I've earned every dollar I bring home. Who's making your heart beat while you work? Who gave you a mind to think about your job while you're doing it? What do we have that we did not receive? The answer is nothing. And if every good thing in our life is a gift from God, then we should not get the glory. The one who gave the gift should get the glory, right? And so, when we are prideful about something in our lives, we forget that God is the source of everything good. And we need to let people know, if there's anything good in me, if I've made a good decision parenting, or a good decision as a spouse, or on the job, or in ministry, if if there's anything good that's come from my life, hey, it's God's grace. Because left to myself, I would make a mess of things, right? Left to yourself, you would make a mess of things. If there's anything good, it's God's grace grace. And so, do not boast about yourself. You see it. What's interesting is, is how social media has proliferated and has given people so much more opportunity to brag, right? And, and that's just, that's, it, it's, it's dangerous because it takes the focus off of the Lord. Do not boast about yourself. And so, you know, be careful about the things in life that cause boasting. You know, allegiance to a sports team. For example, you know that that you know you gotta be careful about that kind of stuff. Uh, let me tell you a quick anecdote. Uh, you know I'm from Florida, so I'm a Florida State fan, and I don't really have a dog in the fight when it comes to Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So I pull for both teams. I like to see them do well. I'm, I live in Mississippi, lived here since 1998, and I, I love to see Mississippi teams do well. I know I know if you're a State or Ole Miss fan, you say you can't pull for both, but but I know I know that I get that. But I, I like I like to see them both do well. And ministerially speaking, I love to see them both win on the same Saturday. Because when that happens, Sunday's like revival. Everybody's happy, you know, everybody's showing up, wearing their stuff. I mean, our student pastor, Derek Fordmere, he has an Ole Miss shirt on this morning, right? I mean, everybody's excited about their team, and they're showing up, and they're talking, and everybody's good. I mean, it's like revival hits the church, Right? You give me a Sunday when there's some losses, whoa, be kind of rough out there, right? There, listen, there, listen, there are people that don't show up to church when their team loses. As if Jesus didn't die on the cross for their sins, is not worthy of their praise because their team lost, right? I mean, it's silly. The things that we, we want to boast, and by the way, we boast like we're the ones on the field playing the game. I'll just leave that right there, all right? But there are so many opportunities in our lives for boasting and drawing attention to ourselves. And what the Lord wants us to remember and understand is this. If there's anything good in your life, it's a gift from God. Therefore, you should not get the glory for that 
gift. So, at least me to this question. Is there ever a time in life where it's okay to boast? Is there ever a moment in life where we can boast in a good way? In a, in a positive way, in a way that honors the Lord? And the answer to that question is absolutely. I want to give you this morning, from God's Word, four things to boast in. Four things to boast in. Don't boast about tomorrow. Don't boast about yourself. But here's what you can boast in. Boast about your weakness. Now that's counterintuitive, isn't it? Boast about how weak you are. So where are you getting that from? Well, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 again, right into the church in Corinth who dealt with some pride issues. And look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. And this is interesting because Paul comes clean here and Paul says, listen, church in Corinth, you're not the only ones that have dealt with some pride issues. I've dealt with some pride issues. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he begins to talk about how God granted him a great vision of the third heaven. And we don't know what all that entails. But he said it was so great and it was such a privilege that God had to afflict me to keep me humble. Because if God didn't afflict me to keep me humble, then I would have gone about telling everybody how great my vision was and what I would have, I would have written a book and I would have sold it at Lifeway and probably made a movie about it. But God humbled me. He says he sent a messenger. He says here this messenger of Satan. In other words, God allows the enemy to afflict him here. This messenger of Satan, it says, harassed him, keeping me, verse 8 or 7, from becoming conceited. He says there, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul writes, I will boast. that interesting? I will boast all the more gladly of my what? Weakness. Paul said, I'm going to boast. But I'm going to boast about how weak I am. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul here says, God kept me humble with something that was tough in my life. And I wanted it to go away, but God allowed it to remain because he wanted to keep me humble. He wanted to keep me from becoming conceited. And he wanted people to see in me his power working through my weakness. So Paul doesn't get the glory, but God gets the glory. Now I want you to understand, when we embrace our weakness, we enable others to see the power of Christ. When people understand by our own admission, how weak and frail we are. And and people see God working. You know what they see? They see God working. They see God at work. Not you trying to get the glory and the the applause. They see God at work in your weakness. That is a powerful, powerful testimony. We need to embrace our weakness. There's an older song by... Stephen Curtis Chapman that I love that says, If the truth were known and a light were shown on every hidden part of my soul, folks would turn away, shake their heads, and say, He still has such a long way to go. If the truth was known, they'd see that the only good in me is Jesus. Precious Jesus. 
If the walls could speak of the times I've been weak when everybody thought I was strong. Could I show my face if it weren't for the grace of the one who's known the truth all along? The truth was known, they'd see, the only good in me is Jesus. Precious Jesus. You and I need to learn to talk about and magnify our weakness. There's not a thing in the world telling a brother or sister in Christ or a small group you're meeting with or a close friend, hey, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I don't have it all figured out. I am, I am weak. And so if you see something happening in my life that's good, it's the power of Christ. It's not me. I'm weak. It's Jesus doing something in me. And when people know how weak you are, they can see Jesus all the more clearly in your life. So learn to boast about your weakness. Let me just give you a thought, all right? Some food for thought this morning. Maybe that thing in your life that you want to go away, that's painful, maybe, just maybe, God's allowing that for a reason. And maybe in the midst of that pain, God wants to show His greatness. So instead of just asking God to take it away, maybe say, God, thank you for the reminder of my frailty. Now would you move in my life so people can see, even though I'm weak, you are strong. That's a paradigm shift, right? Paul says, I will boast in my weakness. So if we're talking about ourselves to each other, we should be talking about how weak we are. Amen? Not how great we are. There's a second thing here, another thing that you and I can boast about biblically. Boast about what you see God doing in others. One of the most effective ways to take your eyes off of yourself is to think about others. Look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. He loved them dearly. This letter is filled with fond affection for these believers. Look what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 17, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. You know what Paul's saying? This is is, is so significant. Paul's saying, when Jesus Christ returns, and I'm standing before the judgment seat of Christ in reference to the rewards that I will be given in, in eternity, at that time I will not be focusing on me and how great I did, but I will be rejoicing in that moment at how God has showed his grace in others. Paul's saying, on Judgment Day, I'm going to be talking more about God's work in the believers in Thessalonica than I will about myself. Paul's saying, you are the reason for our boasting. This verse really helps me because you need to understand, um, I'm proud of you, 
as a church. I want you to understand that, that one of the, the great privileges of my life is to pastor a church like Longview Point. And, and sometimes I can, you know, I, there's a line there between bragging on you, right, and, and, and boasting in you. But I feel like when I'm telling people about how great of a church you are, I'm boasting in what I see God doing in your lives. And I want you to know, from my perspective, and I can give you stories even from this past week of, of things I've seen in people's lives in the, in the fellowship of our church, it is thrilling from my perspective, and I get a front row seat, and I see things you don't see, but I get to see people that are being used by God in remarkable ways, behind the scenes, touching lives, changing the world, and it's awesome. And it's not because you're a perfect church. And it's not because, certainly because you have a perfect pastor. It's because God, listen, God is at work in your life. And it is so encouraging. And if we will take a moment just to take our eyes off of ourselves and begin to look around, listen to me, you will see the fingerprints of God everywhere. In others. And it will keep you humble, personally, And it will give God glory because you're boasting about His work in other people's lives. I can take you to other verses where Paul is is boasting in God's work in others. So if you struggle with with focus on self, I want to encourage you just to spend some time looking around and, and, and even acknowledging what you see God doing in others. That's the way we can boast for the glory of God. There's a third thing here. Boast about your weakness. Boast about what you see God doing in others. Third, boast about the cross. Boast about the cross. Look with me in Galatians. I know we're flipping a lot, but I want to show you the, these connections of, of where boasting is or should be a part of the Christian life. Galatians, another Pauline epistle written to believers scattered throughout the province of Galatia and Asia Minor. Galatians chapter 6, the last chapter of that book. Before I read, just a reminder of what he's dealing with here in Galatia. Uh, Paul was dealing with folks that would come to the believers in that area. And they would say, hey, I I heard that you have placed your faith in Christ and you're a Christian. That's great. But listen, if you really want to be right with God... Not only do you need faith in Christ, you need to be circumcised too and your family. And, and if you do that and, and, and you line up with the, the, the tenets of Judaism, then you'll be right with God. Then God will accept you. And so Paul's writing the, the, the letter to the churches in Galatia to say, listen, it's not Jesus plus anything. Salvation is Jesus Christ alone. It is faith alone in Jesus alone that saves you. It's not your works. It's not your religious steps. It's faith in the finished work of Christ. So keeping that in mind, look what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. In other words, uh, to kind of fit in well with these Judaizers, they don't want to say, well, salvation is by the cross of Christ. They want to say, well, it is Jesus plus circumcision. They're trying to, they, they are backing away from the message of faith alone to, you know, to get in good with these false teachers and not to experience persecution. Look what he says in verse 13. 
For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that you may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast in your flesh. Uh, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, my only boast is not in what I've accomplished or achieved. My only boast, the only reason I have a relationship with God is because of what Christ has done for me. That's it. That's the only thing I have to boast in, the the cross of Christ. I want you to hear this next statement carefully. When you and I realize that we can't save ourselves, the cross of Christ takes on its greatest significance. Earlier in Galatians, Paul said, if righteousness comes from the law, then Christ died needlessly. I mean, if you could save yourself, why did Jesus have to die? The answer is you can't save yourself. You're not good enough. Your sins have separated you from a holy God. Your only hope is that someone who is fully God and fully man goes to the cross on your behalf and pays the infinite sin debt that you and I owe. That's our only hope, the cross of Christ. So Paul says, if I'm going to boast, I'm not boasting in my flesh or my achievement. I'm boasting in the reality that Jesus died for my sins. When you realize you can't save yourselves, the cross takes on its greatest significance. Some of you in here, listen to me, hear about the cross, and there's a, there's a lack of interest. There's a, an inner yawn in your life. And the reason the cross is not, not a big deal to you is because you still believe you can save yourself. You think you're going to, you know, make it into heaven because your good outweighs your bad, or maybe you're a Baptist, or your grandparents were Baptists, or you were raised in church, or you joined a church, or you were baptized, or you went through confirmation, or you're part of this denomination. You think, well, because of what I've done, surely God will let me into heaven. Listen, you can't save yourself. Our only hope is the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we realize that, we will not just talk about the cross. We will boast. We will glory. We will will worship at the foot of the cross. When we realize the implications of the cross, we will make it our continual focus. That's what he says here. Look what he says about the implications. He says, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So he's saying, when I placed my faith in Christ, I was united to Christ. And just like Jesus died on the cross, his death was applied to my account. And I died to the things of this world. Therefore, the world and its ways no longer has any power over me. Isn't that awesome? The implications of the cross. And so Paul is boasting about the cross. Let me tell you what I believe about the enemy. The enemy has no problem with churches getting together and singing songs and praying prayers and having programs and ministries. He has no problem with a church that does that as long as they're leaving the cross out. The enemy loves for us to play church. And lose our focus concerning what's most important. Can I tell you this? When a church family gets together and celebrates the cross and preaches the cross and glories in the cross 
and boasts in the cross and realizes our only hope is in the cross, that makes Satan and his demons tremble because that kind of church can change the world. And so we can, we should boast about the cross. Listen to me. I, is your pastor speaking to you? I am not good enough to save myself. I am a ruined sinner. My only hope is what Jesus Christ did for me. It's my only hope. And I'm saved because I have placed my faith in him. When he shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Our boast should be in the cross. Let me give you one final thought about boasting. Things it's okay to boast in. We shouldn't boast about tomorrow. We should not boast about ourselves. That is the height of hubris. But we can boast about our weakness. And we can boast about what we see God doing in others. And we can boast about the cross. But fourth, we can boast that we know God. We can boast that we know God. Look over with me in Jeremiah, Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Love this passage. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Such a powerful verse. I would even say this is, this is one of those verses that can radically change your paradigm, radically change your life. Listen to what it says. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Thus says the Lord. This is Jeremiah speaking on behalf of God to the people of, of Judah and, and Israel who had rebelled against God. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Don't boast about your blessings, the things God has given you. Don't boast about your gifts that have come from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, James 1.17. Don't boast in those things. If you want to boast, boast in the reality that you have a personal relationship with God that you did not earn, but was given to you as a gift of grace. You can boast about that. Or let me say it like this. Nothing compares to knowing God. Does it? Is there, is there any greater thing than knowing God? J.I. Packer writes in his wonderful book, Knowing God, which I highly recommend, what is the best thing in life bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? And his answer is, knowledge of God. 
What makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective, something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has in a way that no other person has. For what higher, more exalted, and more compelling goal can there be than to know God? I mean, you take anything in this life and you stack it up to knowing God, it will pale in comparison, right? read a story about three little boys that wanted to brag about their dads. Really common thing. One boy said, my dad knows the mayor. And the second little boy wanted to kind of one-up him, said, my dad knows the governor. And the third little boy who wanted to get both of them, who wanted to top them, said, my dad knows God. End of story, right? How are you going to top that one? My dad knows God. Now, he was just trying to top his two friends, but he had it right, didn't he? There's no greater privilege than knowing God. Think about that. A personal relationship with the God who made you, with the God who spoke the universe into existence, the God who rules and reigns in majesty and might and wisdom and grace. To have a personal relationship with God is the greatest thing in this life and in eternity. And everything else pales in comparison. And so we can boast, not in our riches, not in our wisdom, not in our strength, We can boast that we know God. Nothing compares to knowing Him. And so here's what I want you to walk away with this morning as we think about boasting. And again, this is a a good lead-in to to Thanksgiving, this time of year. Our boasting should always be for God's glory, not our own. Our boasting should always be for God's glory, not our own. And if we'll live that kind of life, we'll be grateful, more grateful for God's grace, and we will be like big arrows as our lives and our lips point everyone that looks at us to the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ.